You're listening to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. This episode is another in our regular series, taking an in-depth look at the SMFM pregnancy meeting. To find out more about the meeting, go to www.smfm.org or go to the AJP homepage at www.tima.com forward slash AJP. Jennifer Gilner. She's going to speak about um, the immune response and Treg cells. Thank you, Tracy. So um, I'm coming to you from the point of view of an up-and-coming physician scientist. So I'm early in my career, and um, I'm humbled and, and thankful to be a part of this panel that um, where I'm surrounded by people who have been role models to me as physician scientists in this field. Um, what I'm here to do is to describe um, how I seek to understand this disease of preterm birth by thinking about immune signature and then focusing on a loss of tolerance phenotype. So my goal is to help this audience to recognize that the immune system is very dynamic in pregnancy and um, there, there are critical transitions in immune function across the course of gestation. Um, then I'll review some highly specialized mechanisms that there are in pregnancy for maintaining this immunologic tolerance. And lastly, I want to describe a loss of tolerance phenotype, or what I call immune signature, um, that will define a particular subset of preterm birth. So first, these critical transitions that have to be orchestrated by the immune system to allow a successful pregnancy. There's direct contact between mom and fetus, we know that, at the maternal fetal interface. And this direct contact creates an active immune interface. And this has to change from the first to the second to the third trimester in delivery. In the first trimester, we have necessary inflammation. So it's not tolerogenic yet. It's actually a pro-inflammatory state that is necessary, orchestrated by these specialized uterine NK cells. And without it, implantation will fail or placentation may be insufficient. Then for the fetus to mature across the full length of gestation, we need to transition to a more quiescent state. This quiescent state is dependent on immune tolerance. And then finally, the process of parturition involves a renewed inflammatory response um, to allow ending of the pregnancy delivery in whatever form. So the pathology of preterm birth, since that's our topic in this forum, is most relevant to these later two phases. So in some cases, the preterm birth might be a sign of inflammation that's supposed to happen at parturition and it just came too early. But I hypothesize that in many other cases, the primary issue is that this tolerance is not maintained. And so from an immunologic standpoint, I wanna talk a lot about tolerance. What it means from an immunologic standpoint is a state of indifference toward a substance, like an allogeneic fetus, for example that would normally be expected to excite an immunologic response. So in order to understand tolerance, you have to understand the basics of the adaptive immune system, at least at a base level. So the immune system is designed so that self can be tolerated and non-self is not. Self is encoded in the genome by these highly polymorphic genes that produce major histocompatibility antigens, so we call them HLA in humans. 
And HLA is a set of molecules that the immune system identifies as self or non-self. So then the key players in the immune response include cytotoxic T lymphocytes, so these can respond directly to the expression of this non-self on, um, on other cell types or invading cell types or cell types that the immune system encounters. T helper cells, which require the help of antigen-presenting cells to show them this non-self antigen for their response. And um, then these T helper cells actually have the ability to polarize toward a more tolerogenic phenotype or a more immune phenotype. And then there are B cells, which also need help from antigen-presenting cells and T cells um, to then produce antibodies that are specific to this non-self antigen. So this overall summary response is also highly dependent on um, and characterized by soluble factors produced by all these cell types that are called chemokines and cytokines. So importantly, if tolerance is your goal, and remember I said I think tolerance is a main issue in at least a portion of preterm births, then the T regulatory cell is a cell that you need to know about. We know just from models of um, autoimmunity and transplantation that the T regulatory cell is the cell that is key to maintaining tolerance. So I also need to mention several other very specialized mechanisms of tolerance that appear only in pregnancy, so they're unique to pregnancy. Hemochorial species, which we are as humans, um, have developed these uh, unique mechanisms that add to the T regulatory cell. So we're all familiar with this cell called the trophoblast. This is the cell that lives at the maternal fetal interface. This is the fetal cell, the non-self cell, that's in direct contact with mom's tissues. So these cells, they're non-self, they come from the fetus, but they do not express the classic HLA molecules that the immune system is supposed to recognize and react to. So instead, what they do, what they do express is these so-called non-classical HLA molecules, primarily one called HLA-G, which turns out to be very pro-tolerogenic. So that means that at the maternal-fetal interface, where there's touching between mom and fetus, the fetal antigens are hidden. And in addition to hiding the fetal antigens, there is active suppression of the cytokines and chemokines that doesn't allow immune surveillance to be happening in a normal fashion at the maternal-fetal interface. So these are ways that, unique to pregnancy, the fetal antigen, the non-self, is cloaked. But that doesn't mean that mom never sees the fetus. So we know, clearly, fetal cells make it beyond the maternal-fetal interface. Fetal cells travel intact throughout the maternal circulation. They can be detected years after pregnancy. There are there's certainly significant amounts of shedding increasing over the course of gestation from uh, the syncytiotrophoblast and in the form of exosomes from the placenta. So what this does is it sets up uh, another way for fetal antigens to be shown or presented to the maternal immune system. It's an opportunity for this what's called an indirect pathway of antigen presentation of the fetal cells. So what that means is that the model for the allogeneic fetus is that it's not just like a transplanted organ. In a transplanted organ, these really high levels of HLA, they're right on the surface of the kidney. They're right on the surface of the heart. There's high levels of these HLA antigens right on the surface of the cells, and the, the recipient immune system can see them and immediately respond to them if there's not enough of a match. 
But in fact, pregnancy is set up a lot more like the process of tumor invasion. So tumor invasion and the maternal fetal interface are set up such that there's low levels of antigen. There's this antigen floating out through the syncytiotrophoblast spreading, et cetera, that is gradually presented through this, through this indirect pathway. And then they're presented in the periphery, so presented out at the lymph nodes, not right there at the maternal fetal interface. So what that means is that while there are many mechanisms of tolerance, it's a busy slide, there's a lot of different pieces. If you've gotten past the point of establishing the pregnancy and you're now talking about what's relevant to preterm birth, my hypothesis is that we need to consider the peripheral tolerance process to study how this pregnancy is maintained, that this is the most relevant mechanism of tolerance to when you're talking about preterm birth as your pathology. So peripheral tolerance, like I said, is driven, at least by our models of autoimmunity and transplantation, by the T regulatory cell. So what do we know about so far relating to T regs and pregnancy? So first of all, there's several studies that have demonstrated that the T reg population expands during pregnancy both in the periphery and at the maternal fetal interface. So this expansion of this specialized cell type, whose job is tolerance, would suggest that there's a role for T regulatory cells in the maintenance of a normal pregnancy. Animal models, likewise, have demonstrated that there's a necessity for T regulatory cells for a successful pregnancy. This paper basically shows that if you cross mice that are genetically different, so they're white and they're gray, you cross mice that are genetically different, they're allogeneic. If the Tregs are removed from the system, then none of the pups can survive. And since comparing this to the case for genetically identical matings, where it doesn't happen, not all the pups are resorbed, this is support for the idea that Tregs are necessary to tolerate the allogeneic fetus. And then lastly, there's some provocative human data that connects dysfunction, so actual function of the T regulatory cells, to pathologic pregnancy outcomes. So this study demonstrated that if you take women who experience preterm labor and you take their T regs, put them in vitro, those T regs just don't work as well. They cannot suppress as well in vitro. So this is one example of a functional deficiency of T regs correlating with a pathologic outcome. Likewise, this study um, showed, also found this decreased Treg function, if you take it from women who had preterm labor, and interestingly enough, also saw diminished suppressive function of Tregs if you take them from women who experience preeclampsia, both with term and preterm birth. So taking a step back, Treg dysfunction, it seems to be a sign of loss tolerance across several different clinical preterm birth phenotypes. So, when I think about how to understand the connection between preterm birth and tolerance and what can go wrong, we need to concentrate in on that subset of preterm pregnancies that demonstrate a loss of tolerance. So what I want to describe for you is a phenotype that I've used in my work to allow picking out or purifying, if you will, that subset of preterm births that have been affected by a loss of tolerance. I want to think about loss of tolerance as one disorder that is contributing to the various etiologies of preterm birth. So how do we recognize loss of tolerance? Well, I'm going to take you back to those main players that I introduced you to in this quick review of the adaptive immune system. Um, signs 
that, remember I said that these cells can be polarized to immunity versus tolerance. So signals that immunity has won and tolerance has lost include invasion of cytotoxic T cells over into this fetal compartment, polarization of the CD4 T helper cells to more pro-inflammatory Th1 and Th17 phenotypes, and that includes the presence of those pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines that I told you were ordinarily silenced and shouldn't be present over in the fetal compartment. Also, uh, another sign that tolerance has lost out and immunity is present is increased generation of anti-HLA antibodies. Remember, HLA being what the mom recognizes as non-self, demonstrating a sensitization of mom to fetal antigens. So how do we how do we diagnose invasion of cytotoxic T lymphocytes? Well, we recognize this as a lymphocytic or lymphohistiocytic infiltrate into the placenta. So these lesions can be diagnosed on placental histology, after delivery, of course, um, and they're collectively referred to as chronic placental inflammation. A recognizable sign of um, pro-inflammatory pol polarization of the T helper cells is um, aberrant elevation of this pro-inflammatory chemokine called CXCL10 that suddenly appears in the fetal compartment and ordinarily should be silenced there. And a symbol of, um, and then maternal anti-HLA antibodies can be directly measured in maternal plasma or serum. So each of these signals have been correlated with preterm birth pathology, although individually they can't predict loss of tolerance or predict preterm birth. So we need to take a complex model. And I think I'm repeating themes that Dr. Simhan and, and Dr. Elevitz both brought up, that there's not going to be one flag or one signal for, to tell us who's going to have the preterm birth, how early it's going to be, and who's going to respond to which treatment. So chronic placental inflammation is most frequently seen in cases of spontaneous preterm birth, although that alone is not enough to diagnose that there's been loss of tolerance. So in building this loss of tolerance phenotype, we combine this with other indicators of loss of tolerance, the ones that I described. So if you look within pregnancies that are affected by preterm birth, so you're looking inside preterm birth pregnancies, then these chronic inflammatory lesions are also significantly correlated with women who have the higher levels of the anti-HLA antibodies. In another cohort of spontaneous preterm births, again, looking inside the spontaneous preterm birth group, the chronic inflammatory lesions are also correlated with the aberrant uh, appearance of these CXCL10 chemokines over in the fetal compartment. So in thinking about a phenotype or just a set of descriptors that can help us concentrate in on the patients that have been affected by a loss of tolerance, we put these three signals together and allows us to group the preterm deliveries that, like I said, were affected by um, a loss of tolerance mechanisms. So in my lab, what I have been doing is to focus on the preterm births that demonstrate this loss of tolerance. So I collect preterm birth biological samples, and then my basis for comparison is the presence or absence of this loss of tolerance phenotype. So my first step has been to compare the function of T regulatory cells, because remember I said those were the most important cell type if, you're, if you think that tolerance is what's what is dysfunctional here. Um, and then I have compared the function of the T regulatory cells in this mechanistically defined cohort to the T reg function in other preterm births. And then what I find, first of all, is that this phenotype is present in about 25 to 30 percent of preterm births, and it's not just the spontaneous preterm births. So it stands to reason that 
immunologic dysfunction can play a role in all forms of preterm birth. It's still a subset, but it crosses over these traditional clinical phenotype descriptors. So far, what we see is that the use of this phenotype can successfully identify the patients in whom there's an apparent loss of T regulatory cell function. So the orange line represents the patients that had this loss of tolerance phenotype. And I am in vitro assessing the ability of their Tregs to be good suppressors, comparing them to the patients that didn't have this phenotype, that have a normal level of Treg suppression function. So this supports the concept that using this loss of tolerance phenotype might be useful in targeting etiologic mechanisms in this subset of preterm birth that's been affected by loss of tolerance. So in using this, again, mechanistically defined phenotype, I'm using it to direct me towards mechanisms that I can now investigate in the lab. Can this give us new targets for diagnosis? Can it potentially give new targets for treatment? Can it down the line give some focus or target for prevention? So if I know that I know how to concentrate or find the patients in whom there's this apparent dysfunction in T regulatory cells, now I can work using immunologic assays and what I know about the immune system to understand what caused this dysfunction. I don't think these women are walking around with inherent broken Tregs. They don't have IPEX. They're not, they don't have raging autoimmunity. These aren't women that you can pick out by knowing you don't have functional Tregs. But something's happening in these pregnancies that either is a trigger to make the Tregs not do as well, to make the Tregs transition to some other more inflammatory phenotype. There's plasticity across the T cell subsets. Something's happening maybe that the Tregs are fine, but it's actually the responder cells in these women who are refractory to being suppressed. This gives me a focus that is mechanistically based to start to piece apart some of these underlying reasons for preterm births. And then that gives me a chance not to solve all of preterm birth or not even to study all of preterm birth, but it does seem relevant to about 25 to 30% of all preterm births. So what I've described is, is kind of a transition in approach. It doesn't replace the way we've done things for 30 years. What we've been doing so far is categorizing preterm births by medical indication, PPROM, preterm labor, and that's, that gives us useful information. But what I'm proposing is that we also consider an alternative approach where we understand that we, we know that those categorizations, PPROM, preterm labor, contain various etiologies. We know that they're homogeneous or heterogeneous mixtures. So my approach as an adjunct to all of the other wonderful work that's been described is to focus in on this one mechanistically defined pathway and to use it to uh, talk about this immune signature, or loss of tolerance, to direct me toward things I can then take back to the lab, to start to focus in on causative or predictive or potentially treatment targets in this subset of preterm birth. So overall, we know that uh, preterm birth occurs in the phase of pregnancy that's, that's most dependent on tolerogenic influences. So we need the fetus to be able to develop. We need the mom to continue tolerating the fetus all the way to 40 weeks, not to 32. Um, precision medicine approach. So I think of this as, as an opportunity for a precision medicine approach to define a molecular phenotype and then use that molecular phenotype as my analysis basis. And it helps me to kind of purify the preterm births that result from a common mechanism, this loss of tolerance 
with the hope that that will identify new targets for diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of preterm births using this alternative approach to analysis. So I just want to say thank you to, um, I have many mentors, so I'm still in this stage of my career where, where there are a lot of people helping me along the way. Um, my primary mentor, so, and I'm supported by the Foundation for SMFM um, generously in a career development award. So my primary mentors within that career development award are Dr. Martha, Dr. Kent Weinhold, and Dr. Kurtzberg. Um, and then I have the additional benefit of, of the scholarship committee from the Maternal Fetal Medicine Society Foundation. Um, Sam Perry and Francine Hughes came to check on how I was doing last year. Um, many thanks to the Duke Birthing Center, uh, our director, Dr. Heinies, in the back, my partner in crime, Dr. Sron Wheeler, who um, probably should be a co-author in this whole talk, and uh, Drs. Swami Permar and um, many other helpers that I have at Duke and outside. I'm happy to take any questions. Dr. Elevitz. Yes, that was at the time of delivery. So first, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Second of all, there was this tremendous statutory initiating event. Mm -hmm. And the second, are you able to differentiate and do you, do you show any of the different regulatory functions that would be read between the Medicaid and the I don't know if I can differentiate. I think that there's a potential that I can. So I certainly am recording along the way what the classical definition of these patients would be um, so that I can look and see you know, is there uh, a finer way to break apart not just dysfunctional Tregs? Because then, you know, the more time you spend in immunology, the more you realize they're never going to stop adding layers. There's not just Tregs anymore. There's, there's naive Tregs and memory Tregs and effector Tregs. So, but what it gives me the opportunity to do is to uh, take this common issue of dysfunctional Tregs and then, um, yes, so in vitro, there, there are definitely assays that can tell me what cytokines do these make? Have they transitioned some of their trans transcription factors? Are they, is there some plasticity in the function that they have? It does not tell me, of course, whether this was an inciting event or a reactionary event. Um, but I think that in better understanding the biology at the end, then we can work our way back to um, whether there are external influences that are driving transdifferentiation of these Tregs versus whether there are um, kind of other cell types working in concert with the Treg. So I don't know the answer yet, whether it is um, an inciting event or reactionary event. I only have access to these tissues at delivery. So that's part of, this is not a phenotype that can be applied. So it's like what Dr. Simon said, I, you can't take this phenotype and apply it. You can't go around biopsying the placentas at 28 weeks to say whether or not a woman's gonna go into preterm labor. But what it does allow the opportunity to do is to explore the biology, and by understanding the biology, we can reveal new targets and new paths of investigation. And it gives me job security as a physician scientist, that there's always more questions that I can answer. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. I do see that it is. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that the maternal T cell is causing it. Um, it, it kind of goes back to Dr. Elvitz's question. So to answer your, the first part of your question, yes, in these, um, in these different groups of women, there is, uh, in those that fit this loss of tolerance phenotype, the mom's serum also has a paired up elevation of CXCL10. So it's up on both sides. But whether or not it's caused by the T cell, I don't know. So that, that is part of how I figure out whether this Treg dysfunction is a reaction or the starting point. That certainly it indicates that there um, is presence of an inflammation or an invasion or um, a maternal reactivity to the fetus that isn't normal and shouldn't be there. But I don't know who made that CXCL10 first. Thank you. That was the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about the journal at www.tima.com forward slash AJP or check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes and join us next time.